Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantin. And we are coming to you on the Thursday before Maundy Thursday, which is whatever day today is, March 30th, and Easter is in the air. And so um, I'm in full Easter gear. I don't mean like shirts and hats. I mean, but like Things are definitely Easter speeding mode. up. Yeah, we're, head, we're headed that way. Um, we've been doing this whole walking through Lent thing. And, you know, Lent ends, I guess, Saturday at sundown. And so it's time to turn the page to the the week that really is the, the highest on the Christian calendar. And so we're going to get a bunch of not Easter, but Holy Week-focused stuff going on. As we look at the lectionary, there's all kinds of stuff to choose from. And I am yielding to Peter, as I usually do, because I generally don't care what we talk about i just like talking about it and um uh, this is today we're going to talk about stuff that he has chosen i'm gonna let him talk about why he chose them before we read them but first who's speaking today who's speaking at the at the, at the service we're going to after this yeah we will be hearing from reverend aaron yow of yeah. canton central united methodist church she's been on the show i'm excited about it next thursday maundy thursday is our last of our lenten lunch series and uh, that will be Reverend Robert Williams from Piney Grove Baptist Church and that this will be his first time speaking at that and so I'm excited about that too I guess Brandon was his first time last week and he did an excellent job so I think all of them have done a pretty good job except that one guy that went the second week was that court Green? that was court Green. the Reverend doctor yeah the Reverend doctor all right so why did you decide on these verses so well our listeners can know our lectionary uh, can designates the coming Sunday either Palm or Passion Sunday, and for if you choose Passion, if you choose to preach Passion Sunday, there's a whole list of readings. If you choose to preach Palm Sunday, there's a whole list of region, readings. I like to to celebrate Palm Sunday because it, to me, like the act of waving palms and that embodied part of worship is is wonderful. It's interactive. It, it also happens to fall on the first Sunday in April, and my churches uh, celebrate communion just once a month on the first Sunday. And so even though I'll be preaching about the palms on Sunday, or at least trying to tie that in, I thought, you know, since we're talking about the Passion and the Upper Room, the Last Supper is part of that story, I think it's important for us to, like, really dive in a little bit and look at that moment when Jesus has gathered these disciples like just you know the day before he's about to be betrayed and go on this whole walk to the cross and try to figure out what 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 does he really mean with sharing of the bread and the, and and the cup because we talk about it every time we serve communion we repeat these words that he says but do we all do we actually really understand? I actually do use Matthew's communion every time that we do communion. So well, not, good. Uh, Matthew's Last Supper, Matthew's Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. All right, so that's where we are. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna we're gonna eat and drink and be merry. Matthew twenty six seventeen through thirty, correct? Says on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying. Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. 
I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, They went out to the Mount of Olives. That ends the reading. Usually I end it as soon as he says sins. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured poured out out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Yeah, my communion liturgy, I'm just thinking because I've almost got it memorized. I had it memorized, and this is not, not at this church. This is at my last church. People got mad at me. I would just stand up there and say it. And they were like, well, you're not holding a Bible, Mm. so it's not real. Mm. And I was like, well, that's just silliness. It's the same exact words, but now I'd read it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are some differences between our our liturgies and and the words of Scripture, and and each gospel has the words slightly different, and so I think the liturgies end up being some sort of attempt at harmonizing or combining those. Yeah. Yeah. so, let's start at the beginning. The this first is day? The first day of a festival that Jesus has entered into the city. We're, we're talking about the entrance into the city this week with Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's important to remember that, that, that he and everybody else is entering into the city for a festival. Yeah. I mean, later, Christians will look back and say, well, he was entering the city so that he could be crucified. But... In this moment, he and everybody else is entering into the city to celebrate the festival of Passover. And it all ties in. You can't have any of the passion narrative without the rest of it. Because he comes in as a conquering hero at a time when tensions are high, at least on the part of the Romans who are trying to keep a lid on the potential explosion. Why? Because they're, ex- they're celebrating the event that they remember from their faith history of God setting them free from captivity in a time where they consider themselves in captivity. My favorite Christmas song is Come O Come Emmanuel because it describes that situation. Come O Come Emmanuel and do what? Ransom who? Captive, Captive Israel. Israel. Yeah. And so that's why, that's why it's my favorite Christmas carol, but it certainly fits, in my opinion, better with Palm Sunday than it does Christmas. So he comes into the city looking like a conquering hero a messiah figure and then the rest of the events play out 
and including this one. And there's this expectation that he's going to set them free. We shouldn't be surprised that there's an execution at the end of the story. Mm. Well, it should be the end of the story. By mm. human terms, the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Well, so my first question is, you know, I, I think what you're saying is good, and, and, and let's go a step further. Like, I think having that, that soundtrack of the Passover mm-hmm. and the uh, the being delivered out of the house of slavery, out of, out of Egypt, by, um, by, the, by the angel of death passing over. Mm-hmm. I think having that soundtrack in the back of our minds is helpful as we read the story. So just to recount, like, the reason it's called Passover, like, let's start very basically, is that uh, Pharaoh had ordered that all of the children, all of the, all of the male children of Israel should be killed. Mm-hmm. And we know that Moses was spared from that um, by a series of events. Stuck him in a basket. But when Moses came back and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh refused, there was a series of um, plagues that got progressively more severe and more dire and culminated in the angel of death passing over the houses of Israel. If if they had marked their doorposts with the blood of a sacrificial lamb, which they were to eat, mm-hmm. along with uh, le- unleavened, unleavened bread. bread. There should be no leaven in the house. Holding a, with their sandals on their feet, holding a stick in their, holding their walking stick in their hand as if they're prepared to, to flee, right? Hit it. They're, they're yeah. ready to go. Um, and so we, we need to maintain that, and that, that soundtrack in the background as we read this. They're asking, where should we go and make preparations for the Passover? And this is this is starting to be a question for me. Like, let's let's remember that it wasn't just bread and wine on the table. If they pre- if they prepared correctly for the Passover, lamb too. There was yeah. a lamb. There was blood on the doorpost. I mean, this is this was a tradition and a practice. What is that? What what? If we if we imagine that scene and we imagine that table with more than just bread and wine, but we imagine that lamb on the table, does that change the how we interpret this this moment for you? Having a lamb on the table? Yeah, it's not mentioned at all in here. No, it's not. Unless you consider it, they mention it in mentioning what they were celebrating. Remember, this is Matthew. We should know. Yeah, Matthew's audience theoretically would know. Yeah. Or, here's the question, what about families that can't afford meat? And... Can't they still celebrate? I think that that actually is perhaps why the lamb is... One reason, perhaps, that the lamb is de-emphasized. I want to wonder if all of those people who were very hungry people... Uh, who welcomed Jesus into the city, and for whom, like, celebrating the Passover correctly meant what meant a large expense. Like, maybe folks did, couldn't afford to buy a lamb, or they weren't farmers, or they didn't have family who were. Uh, so, in this Christian tradition now, the, it, the, the, the centrality of the lamb is de-emphasized, and, and the bread and the wine instead are elevated. Yeah. 
But speaking of Christian tradition, we could like super spiritualize and super evangelicalize this. Go for it. And say. How? Well, Matthew didn't have to include the lamb because the lamb was already there. Well, Jesus. I, think, yeah. I don't even think that that's a that's a, a stretch. Yeah. Right. I do. But yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus, it, he puts it in his own words. So so reading a little bit further. In, in talking about his blood spilled out, yeah. But we, exactly. that's the end. We, got, we, we can't skip the rest oh, of it. Oh, don't skip the end. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. So they prepared the Passover meal. It says, so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. They prepared the Passover meal. But it starts with a question. They come to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go to them. Yeah. And they ask him, not do you want us to, but where do you want to this? So the, that means obviously this is something that they have done together in the past because mm-hmm. they know that this this is coming up. They probably also have figured out we're going to Jerusalem and it's this time of year. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So there's the assumption that we're going to, but he answers them. And I want you to notice in verse 18 what's not mentioned. You figure it out. Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Think synoptically. What's not mentioned? Uh, well, we don't have the donkeys. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's crap. That was the... That's, the, that's, that's Palm Sunday. That's right. Palm Sunday. That's me going back. Yeah. Never mind. No, well, I mean, they did get here but via the donkeys. That was an early, earlier chapter. In fact, the, a donkey and the cult of the donkey... If I remember yes, correctly, Matthew is the Matthew. one where he rides two horses at once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's important to emphasize this passage for another reason. Is that be, that's because the disciples continually, not just here but throughout the the gospels, they have this they maintain this anxiety, or at least I interpret it as anxiety. Where will where will we live? Where will we stay? Let's build some houses. Where will we get food? Yeah. You know. And they always are coming to Jesus, and, and they, they, they don't get it, you know, like, that, that he always is able to provide. Here I go again. Okay. I would be just like that. Yeah. yeah. You, you not. So so during the flood, I'm not judging Peter. I, I admire this about him. During the flood, well, after the flood, we're starting to amass stuff, and we come up with this idea, we're going to have drop-off points. Mm-hmm. So Peter says, all right, get your trailer ready. We're going to go set up a drop-off point in Clyde, which if you don't know the area, Clyde is the next town over. And they got hit with the flood too. And we're driving down there. And I said, okay, Peter, where are we going? He goes, like, I don't know. I said, you haven't called anybody? You're not setting this up? He said, we'll find a place. <laughs> and we did. Yeah. We did, yeah. Um, it wasn't the place we originally thought it would be, but it, it worked out. It worked out very well. Um he is one who can step out in faith in Jesus better than I can. Mm. So uh, I, I I'm, more, I'm more like the disciples. I remember that scene, and I knew that it was more important that we that we galvanized a group of people, that we loaded up the supplies, and that we we started moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I pouring I mean, down rain and a thunderstorm too. I had a rough. I mean, I had a rough guess of where we would start. The fire yeah. department seemed to be my first guess. Yeah. We got there. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. We started. So then it's like started calling numbers. Yeah. And I think you called. I did. Uh, over to the Baptist church in Clyde and look. <laughs> I, I talked to this deacon because we couldn't reach the pastor, and he's like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Do it. We have this covered amphitheater Cover, that you can put. It. Perfect. It was Elevated, perfect. It covered. was centrally located 
Anyway, so it was perfect, but I was like, don't you want to ask the pastor? He's like, nope. Don't just <laughs> I said it. you can do it. Do it. So, yeah. Anyway, so, so so that is one of Peter's gifts. Oh. He can he can he can say, I feel like God's telling me to do this. I'm doing it. Mm. I am more like the disciples. Mm-hmm. Where are we going to stay? How are we going to keep warm? Do we have enough food for everybody? Give me a head count. I'm that kind of guy. Right. 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 It takes both. Well, the teacher apparently knew some guy mm-hmm. or knew that these disciples would know to call some person. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there it is. Well, it's a certain man. A certain man. So we don't we don't have a name. Right. But there is a specific person. Seems right. like legwork has been done here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they had a side conversation after one of his Jesus rallies. Yeah. Well, Something. He, he had been to the city before. Yeah. And, of course, he doesn't hesitate to stop and talk with people and that and once you do that as a, from a community organizing land you start to see the resources that people have and you start to see the motivations that people have and you know a lot of times people just really want to if they have something that they're not using and they would like to that serve they they offer it yeah and so. it, like this can get to a ridiculous level too like um, three churches ago somebody gave them an airplane what in the world are we going to do with an airplane? So they had to say thank you, but no thanks. Your church, uh, First Baptist in Albemarle, yeah. That was your that was your moment. That was, you are you were almost a uh, it was televangelist. It was before I got you there. You just needed a white suit with no it. to you become a pand uh, to become a televangelist. All I needed was a pandemic. Oh, and then we all became televangelists. Gotcha. All right, gotcha. Get, let's get back without to the, the airplane. Yeah. So okay, they prepared the fest- the Passover meal. The, uh, and yeah, we're in verse 19 now. We're in verse 19. I'm going to move I'm going to move right along. Uh, he took his place with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, "Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me." And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, "Surely not I, Lord." He answered, "The one who has dipped his, his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written. But woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would be better for that one not to have been born. And then you get the um, the tense music starts playing. Dun, dun, dun. As you get to verse 25. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. Yeah. So he has the same response as everybody, except they were calling him Lord, whereas he called him teacher. Hmm. And I think Lord in this sense... I got a whole book on the use of kurios. Kurios. Um, I, I, I don't think it's anything connected to God. Mm. In Greek, the word Lord is just like, it has a wide range of meanings. Well, let's remember that this is the word Lord in English comes from a certain period of time where there were lords. A, a term of ladies. respect, a, a title, or tied to God. And I think here is the term of respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and so his response of using teacher instead of Lord is probably not something we should key off on because it's, he's, he's using a different term of respect but still a term of respect. But Well, it's important to, not, to, to recognize who else would have been referred to as Kurios at that time. Yeah. Which would be Caesar. Well, he would, be, he would be, probably not be. He would be referred to as, you know, your eminence or whatever, some some kingly title. However, your local bigwigs would be. 
yeah. referred to as Lord. But he comes to Judas, and he kind of gets his own special. Like, does he does he cut them off as they're going down the line saying, what in me? Mm. Does he cut them off with this phrase, the one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me? Which is probably all of them by, the, by this point. And... And then it's Judas's turn. Like, have we gone th- one through eleven, and now it's his turn? We don't know, mm-hmm. but it reads like that. Judas, who betrayed him, said, "Surely not I, Rabbi." Mm. And then Jesus says, in his in his, you know, sort of vague statements that he likes to use, "You have said so," which kind of sets us up for the encounter with Pilate. It is as you have said, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying be it, fair. not me. I mean, yes, Judas goes on to betray Jesus. He says he's already done it. We, we cut that part off of the beginning and afterwards, uh, but it is in, in the story how Judas, you know, searched for a, 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 a way and an opportune moment to betray, betray Jesus, how he was paid 30 pieces of silver. Uh, but let's be fair, all of the disciples desert Jesus, all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Peter, who is, you know, that, that particular betrayal is, is a pr- perhaps the hardest uh, hardest one because he's so certain that, that he won't, there's, that he won't abandon There's Jesus. three Ds. No, there's two Ds and a B. Okay. So there's desert, there's deny. betray, and there's deny. And all of them in one way or the other desert him. Yes. Ten of them did it by getting out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they get a pass, but somehow to me that's worse. Mm. Not than Judas, but than Peter. Judas deserts him more actively by betraying him into the Roman hands mm-hmm. or the religious leader's hands or whoever's mm-hmm. hands. Peter, I think, deserves credit because... He sticks with him, but then when the heat is on, he deserts him by denial. Yeah, I'm here with him, but that's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know this guy. Yeah, don't that, kill me. Yeah, he he balks at the last moment. He he freezes. My, uh, I think to to super spiritualize that. In what ways do we desert? I think we all do, from time to time. I think. Honestly, this is, you know, a moment where Jesus sees what we don't see mm-hmm. about ourselves. Yeah. That that we we at the end of the day like are mainly concerned with self-preservation. Mhm. And, and there there are heroic acts in human history and we and 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 you know, the lives of the saints are ones that we can point to and say, here's when somebody, you know, selflessly gave, uh, gave over their lives. It's important to remember that those are a result of what, of this story, that people found the courage not to walk away from death uh, because of the story of Jesus and because of the story of these disciples. And it's important to know that there is, there is redemption for them as well. That kind of brings us to what I think is a question that we don't ask enough. Hmm. Why is this the moment that we celebrate? Whether you do it monthly like you do or quarterly like we do or every stinking Sunday like they yeah. do across the street from me at the Episcopal Church and in, I think Catholic Masses. 
Mm-hmm. Why is this the moment that we reenact? Other than we're not going to go kill everybody once a quarter That's on a, a cross. Well, it's a really good question. In yeah. fact, it's the reason why I think we need to be talking about this more because uh, in Protestant denominations, we have two sacraments. They are baptism and communion. Mm-hmm. In, ca- in Catholic tradition, there are seven. But uh, we've simplified it down, but we still, it is, it is the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup and there's something really, really important about this that is the reason why we celebrate that. And I'm assuming that you don't mean transconstantiation, transubstantiation. Uh, well, let's define that term. When you ins- consume the elements of communion, be it wine or Welch's and bread, in your stomach, miraculously, they become Jesus' body. You're literally taking in mm-hmm. Jesus' body and blood. I don't mean it that way. No, that would be not. a Catholic understanding. And and I don't know of any Catholics that, but I'm sure they exist, but I don't know any Catholics that are on that. This is a rabbit hole, but I got really fascinated with this topic in college mm-hmm. and did, did research um, on medieval interpretations of the 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 body and the blood, and mm-hmm. there are stories. They have these medieval plays um, that that are written down and documented. There are stories of non-believers stumbling into a communion service in a church, and uh, where as everyone else in the congregation looked and saw bread and wine, after the priest had blessed the elements, this unbeliever walked into the church and and saw the priest literally tearing an infant Jesus in half. Yes, yeah. horrifying. It's horrifying. I mean, I, I don't know the, the the medieval folks they had a, a an appetite for this kind of I don't think I'd be going back to that church. gruesome uh, imagery, but uh, that was a, that was a way of saying, "Oh, this is real." Like, yeah. you know, and 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 <laughs> You better get saved, so you don't have to look at that again. Yeah. But that this is, but that there, there's that belief that this is really the body and blood of Christ. And we, we could go down the rabbit hole and talk about why that that transubstantiation, consubstantiation, all that stuff. Well, let's not do that. We don't need to do that. Uh, do we want to say more about this betrayal moment uh, before we move on to the actual? Well, what? Uh, let me ask. Let me answer your question with a question. What more is there to say? Hmm. Well, I, I resonate with these disciples. All of them? Yes, all of them. In the way that, well, maybe not Judas, but, uh, but in the way that they say, surely not I, Lord. Because, yeah. because re- let's remember, Jesus had more disciples than this. These, these 12, these are the, these are the cream the apostles, of the crop, or the, the 11, become the apostles. These are the ones that stuck with it. The ones that weren't scandalized by other things that Jesus had done, but were able to continue to walk. They they didn't they didn't trip up and say, ah, it's too too radical for me. I can't believe that. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Even if they didn't know what he was talking about, they still followed. And so, you know, why should it be any different in this moment? I'm sure they're thinking that to themselves. They're like, we're, this is we're in it for the long haul. Like we we're sticking with you. Mm-hmm. And, the, and to hear at the end of all of that teaching, 
and and learning and walking with and 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 being sent and 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 performing signs and miracles on Jesus's behalf to have Jesus say you're all going to betray me you're all going to walk away yeah you're all going to be scattered like that's got to be so demoralizing like haven't we proven ourselves yet what does it take yeah yeah it's like being married for 50 years and then your spouse says do you ever love me what yeah haven't i demonstrated that yeah yeah so what does it take i think is a really good question and and so i believe that this sets sets the scene for the last and most important lesson that Jesus has been trying to teach these disciples and they just haven't been getting all along, which is that death, death is, the humans make of death more consequence than it, than it actually has. And he's, he's about to demonstrate as a teaching moment. With the wine and bread. With his crucifixion and death and resurrection, uh, that that death isn't uh, that doesn't death isn't the limit that you think it is. Mm-hmm. But in order for them to actually get that lesson, he's going to have to die. So you think that because the crucifixion and resurrection and burial, I guess, are a teaching moment, then we need this this meal. Mm. so that when they experience these things, they'll be able to look back and say, ah, yeah, the blood of my covenant. Maybe. I haven't really investigated that. But, so that's the last thing i got to say about the, the scattering. And It's just that Jesus is, this is one last attempt. I mean, he's had multiple attempts where he's tried to explain to them, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be crucified, I'm going to die. Uh, and then you'll you won't see me, and then you'll see me again. There's different ways that he says it in different gospels and throughout the gospels, and, and there's just a way in which they're they're just sort of blind to this because they're just a base level assumption that death is the end. I do, by the way, kind of identify with Judas. Mm. I don't. I'm not a big fan, right? But I feel like I've certainly put my wants ahead of what. Jesus' desires would be yeah. for me. And, and I think we all have. How do you understand his wants in this moment? Jesus's or Judas's? Judas's. Just the tradition, the 30 pieces of silver, the the maybe he was a zealot and wanted to kick off the war, that kind of thing. You know, Just all the bits and pieces that you put together. It's not really in these verses. But, yeah. but just taking that outside information and trying to assemble as best we can who he was and what he may have wanted. It almost doesn't matter what they are. I often find that as a human being, or maybe it's not a human condition, maybe I'm just trying to excuse myself, just as me, what I want is not necessarily what Christ would want. Mm. And that doesn't mean that I'm not tempted to go after what I want instead of what Christ wants. Yeah. I, I do identify with him. And also... I know full well that maybe that's my hand in the bowl with his. Maybe he knows that. Mm. Um, and there's something beautiful about the fact that I'm still welcome to the table. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that that's a that's a 
uh, a part of the story that doesn't get emphasized enough mm -hmm. is that uh, Jesus knows full well not to. only that that one will betray but that all will be scattered and one will deny uh, and yet it is still a meal that he shares yeah and invites them into and not just a meal but in his own words as we're about to read like a sharing in his body yeah and in his blood all right so read them while they were eating Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it he broke it he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took a cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant ancient authorities also add new new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in drink it new with you in my father's kingdom the bread and the cup both are both are shared the bread is broken takes a loaf of bread after blessing it he breaks it and gives it to his disciples says take eat this is my body so let's start with that when we celebrate communion like what does it mean to take a loaf of bread and share it like what like how does that how does that connect us with Jesus well so there's this book called ancient future worship that I read in seminary and it's mostly about communion and what I got from it really was the the timelessness of it and mm. looks you have all the tenses in communion you look back Passover and celebrate what God has done you recognize what God is doing now, but you do so with the anticipation of what God will do. Mm -hmm. um, however, there's a huge section in it that focuses on the unity we find in the fact that we all need food. Mm -hmm. So you can be rich, you gotta eat. You can be poor, you gotta eat. You can be any ethnicity, you gotta eat. And so there's something about sharing bread that unifies us Mm -hmm. and calls us to something beyond our differences. I don't know that you need... I mean, we're called Pastor Potluck. You could do that with a covered dish. You don't have to have, you know, gruesome death and burial and, and <laughs> drink my blood imagery to mm. have that unity. Mm. But when you, when you bring the broken body into the mix mm -hmm. and tie that to the bread or the spilled blood, it's a reminder that we are unified in the fact that we all have to eat to live, but we are also unified in the fact that we all need forgiveness because mm -hmm. we are all sinners. No matter how well you hide it, no matter how well you put on a mask and people don't or choose not to see it, no matter how well you explain it away or have so much power it doesn't matter, whatever your way of getting around sin is, we all got one. We're all sinners. Mm -hmm. And so we are all in need, just like we need food, of forgiveness. Yeah. And... This is, I think, a really good moment when we talk about forgiveness to bring us back to the Paschal Lamb, mm -hmm. right? Because it was a sacrificial offering. And that, that original moment and context of the, of the Passover meal then became a religious tradition in the form of animal sacrifice. Mm -hmm. it, there was something about 
that moment of deliverance in Egypt where the blood was sprayed was spread over the doorpost and the people ate bread together that 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 formed Israel as a body mm-hmm. as a people they they and as they left Egypt we read that it was a mixed group of people who left but but that was the start of it the common experience that shared and then they became a people because of that and uh, in that sacrificial offering became a central component of the religious cult and in this story now we're we're bringing it full circle we're back to celebrating that original meal but instead of the sacrificial lamb Jesus is drawing a equivalence between himself the lamb the the bread and the wine all of these things are are sort of enmeshed together but I think the purpose is the same in that he is explaining like by sharing this meal and by acknowledging that you are sharing that that it is my body that is about to be broken for it, it is for the creation the formation of a new community so what are the results and I, I'm gonna answer my own question the results are the same you're being passed over mm. by the judge mm-hmm. and you're being set free yeah so just like what happened in Egypt in a new way because of a sacrifice you are being passed over you are being set free passed over from the consequences of your sin set free from the bondage of sin yes and that passing over that setting free creates a new community yeah that's what Jesus is doing here and that's why there's this emphasis on doing it again it's he's creating a new ritual but it's a bloodless ritual mm-hmm. right it's saying we could say for example that poor folk couldn't afford the lamb anymore so maybe it's a it's an economic reason but I think there's also a reason here where Je- where Jesus is demonstrating that like yes I am about to die because of the lack of unity in this community which rhymes so you know it's true that's what Gideon always says what if it rhymes you know it's true if it rhymes you know it's true unity in the community okay yes the lack of unity in the community the division between the rich and the poor the division between the the Jewish authorities and the people the division amongst the disciples like I'm about to die because of that Mm -hmm. but how you remember this moment will be a bloodless ceremony so we're moving we're he's introducing a ritual that moves us beyond uh, a ritual that depends on violence and depends on sacrificial death which I think is really key because he's also demonstrating or about to demonstrate in his in his crucifixion and resurrection that we are not necessarily bound by death and that our unity is not necessarily formed because of the death of, a, of, 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 of an ongoing practice of, of killing or, or expelling people from the community. He's forming a new community around this concept of, of sharing and remembering that once was enough. And so we're doing it with bread this time and wine. We're not, we're not doing it with, with lambs anymore. So the next time, Get your little 
plastic cups and your pita pockets that are torn into little bitty pieces or whatever y'all use, um, maybe it'll hit differently. Because hmm. maybe you know the story a little bit better. We have to go because we have a, a, a service to go to. So for Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. Have a good one. Peace.